Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Just fucking dump fucking jelly on him or something. Jelly? The guy <laughs> fucking put shit on my face. <laughs> Smug, confident, secure because you are sane. You know what madness is or how it strikes? Have you seen the demon? The surge through the corridors of the crazed mind? Come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. No power on Earth can exercise the terror from scum of the Earth. Okie dokie, folks. I'm Frank Bonacci, and I'm the scum of the Earth. Probably asking yourselves, where has he been? Uh, honestly, I just kind of burnt myself out a little bit, editing both Zoning Out and Scum of the Earth. Plus, I just ran out of interviews, and I said, you know what? Let me take a little break. Is anybody listening to these? One of the other reasons I I just couldn't uh, put out two shows a week anymore for a little while was, you know, Tears of the Kingdom came out, you know, the new Zelda game. And I had to focus all my attention, and we're, I'm in my 40s. Plus, we're doing the other thing. Stolen a lot of all our folks away. That's why we have to like take a few weeks off trying to mount this thing. I kind of stockpile a bunch more interviews, and this is the first one up. This is with Addison Binnick. Uh, he followed me, or I followed him. Somebody followed somebody on Instagram after my interview with Kansas Bowling, one of the creators of Psycho Ape Adorable Magnum Opus, the movie, and the upcoming Psycho Ape 2. Yeah! Really excited for that. And with that, Mr. Addison Binnick, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, no problem. I got to talk to you about Psycho Ape first. Okay. Uh, you do one thing in there that I was kind of like, dude, that wasn't cool. You weren't very nice to that cracked monster party issue. I saw that. I saw you. Oh, like, yeah. you I was like, dude, those are those are holy to me. Those magazines. I used to love those so much. Well, I mean, I understand, but in my, <laughs> no, I get it. I really didn't. No, when uh, I literally bought that prop that afternoon, like before we were to film, you know. And I'm pretty sure I spent less than a dollar on it, you know. Yeah, they it don't was- go for a lot. They're not like surprisingly no. they're not collectible except for maniacs like me who always like whenever i see them out like on ebay I'll, I'll eventually those and mad super specials i always wind up going on ebay for do you remember cracked the monster oh, party yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i have i mean i i have a whole box full of like mad magazines and stuff i don't have my cracked anymore i used to have a whole bunch of cracks when i was a kid and i stupidly sold them when i was a teenager uh. but uh you know there's like a local comic book shop that just has like bargain magazines and stuff 
And so I was rifling through them just that afternoon and I saw that one and I was like, well, we're filming today. We're going to, you know, somehow figure out how to integrate it into the scene. I mean, I think it costs like 65 cents or something, you know what I mean? So really, you know, it didn't break my bank or anything, but I understand <laughs> the fact that like, well, it's one less issue in the world, well, you know, yeah. I don't know how many are left. I have to immortalize in film. So like the chickens in Pink Flamingos, that's how John Waters always says it. It's just like, well, those chickens were in a movie. So it's right, like, yeah. I get, there's a weird logic to that. <laughs> sure yeah we just didn't you know have intercourse with the magazine first and then chop it up uh it's funny uh i saw you at one point in uh magnum opus wearing a pink flamingo shirt so i i knew you'd yes. get that reference <laughs> oh yeah yeah man uh you know magnum opus is sort of a peek behind the curtain as to like you know all the stuff that influenced me when i was a teenager you know you can see like Takas avenger poster on my teenage bedroom wall you can see like terra firmer and cannibal holocaust posters on my wall and then like you see pink flamingo shirt i come from like, like my influences are like trauma and john waters and stuff and i feel like you can see that in psycho ape when you absolutely watch. Yeah. yeah uh even the it's funny you had uh dylan mars greenberg and yeah. uh allison flowers i think her name is allison amanda Bell. amanda flowers jesus Christ. yeah and uh, yeah, which is funny. I've met them because they always wind up working the booth at uh, Troma at uh, New York Comic Con. Did you go to New York to shoot those sequences? Yes, we did. Those two are also in uh, Cuddly Toys. Was that shot around the same time or is that? Um, I'm not exactly sure Kansas's production for Cuddly Toys. I know that in 2019, when we went to New York to film Psycho Wait, she did have some footage that she showed us. I don't remember if she had shot with Dylan yet or Amanda. Mm. She might have. She might have had a little bit, but I'm sure she continued to shoot more of the movie after we were done with Psycho Ape. You know, that's been kind of a long process for her to to get that movie done. So yeah. I'm sure there, I'm sure there was a little bit of crossover. Well, yeah, it was funny. It was like, oh wait, these are the same. It's like well, a lot of crossover aside from the obvious Kansas yeah. of that movie. How did you wind up getting her for the film? Uh, a couple different ways. One is a couple years ago. Well, I, I've been doing this ongoing YouTube series called Movies to Watch on a Rainy Afternoon. Mm. And it's kind of like Mystery Science Theater and riff tracks and stuff where I take clips from cheesy B-movies. Like I chop it up into like a movie review, like a 15, 20 minute long movie review. And I have jokes and stuff overlaid over these clips of you know these movies and so i've had interactions with tons of filmmakers who like send me their movies to riff on or you know like i got hooked up with trauma for a couple of years and so i was able to do trauma movies and her movie bc butcher you know is in the trauma library mm -hmm. so i was able to do bc butcher for one of my episodes and so i reached out to her because i was like hey you know lloyd said it would be okay to do bc butcher but I kind of want to ask you permission first and see if it's all right, you know, because I will be like kind of making fun of it, you know, not, not only was she kind of into the idea, but she sent me a, a DVD, like a signed DVD of the movie. So I did a riff of that, you know, it's only like I said, 15 minutes long, but she ended up liking it and sharing it all over social media and stuff. So we just kind of had like a little, like a friendly connection that way. But that was in like 2017, which was about two years before we actually started working on Psycho Ape. Because then when we actually started working on Psycho Ape and we were writing the movie, you know, I, I made the movie with a friend of mine, Greg DeLiso, who he made the movie Hectic Knife, which is also in the trauma library. I reached out to Kansas because initially we only were going to cast her in the opening slumber party scene with all the rest of the girls. She was going to get killed. Like, like everybody in that beginning was going to get killed. So she was just going to 
have a cameo in the beginning. When I contacted her, she asked if we would flesh out her role so she could be in the entire movie and not just like killed off in the opening scene. Plus, she really wanted to work with Greg because she was a fan of Hectic Knife, basically invented the character of Nancy Banana for her and wrote other scenarios and stretched her character out throughout the entire movie. So it was because of like bringing her on board and because I did the riff of her movie, BC Butcher, and because she liked Hectic Knife, you know, that's how we got her. It was just kind of like connections, trauma connections. She was a fan of Hectic Knife. You know, I did the riff. And so it was all just kind of, it all worked out that way. I love people who collect physical media. And you're definitely one of those guys who oh, always yeah. like has all like tons of videos. Instead of like my crack magazines I sold when I was a teenager, I sold all my, v and I had like a thousand by the time I was like 20 VHS tapes wow. and I got rid of them. That sucks, man. I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm an idiot. And now yeah. I'm like buying a lot back. And some of them are like wild expensive. The, oh yeah. And like, you know, who determines these prices? Who is it that thinks that like a, a random VHS tape like that is almost worth 200 bucks? Like that's, that's absurd. You know, no one's going to pay for that. And if they do, I mean, that's, that's just going to set a precedent for, you know, future sales. Like then everybody's going to charge 185 bucks. These, these people, these grading companies have gotten their awful little tendrils into the video collecting market. Yeah. yeah and now people true. get like CGC graded and like those people are like out of their minds. Like those well, people- Who has that kind of, you know, disposable income to just waste on VHS tapes? I have a lot of tapes too, but I, I spend just a couple of bucks, you know? Like I go to a lot of horror conventions and stuff. And so I'll look for bins that have like cheap tapes and stuff. And that's where I get mine. I'm not gonna spend a hundred dollars on a tape. Like that's crazy. And it's funny, I grew up in the eighties and like those big box like wizard tapes yeah if i had only known what you got a couple of those mm -hmm. see like that's one of those things i wish i had grabbed if i had known like who could have known that those would right be i mean so hard. Know, i have uh like breeders uh zombie lake that zombie lake is in rough shape too it looks like the tape had, like the box is in good condition but the tape itself looks like it had been watched and rewound and washed again and you know it's just of course all the it's the you know the, the, the memorable scenes in the movie like all of the you know, the nudity of the you know, the women swimming and getting attacked by zombies. So, of course, that's the part of the tape that's like the most fucked up, you know. So were you a monster kid growing up? Like, were you just always obsessed with horror films like since I came? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like how I got into horror movies, I guess, was like my dad would rent me, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Mummy, all the original classic Universal monster movies. So eventually... Once I got through all those by a certain age, then I could start renting, you know, like the 80s slasher stuff and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Dawn of the Dead and Return of the Living Dead. So eventually I just started watching like everything because I had this video store nearby that it was like, if you rent five movies, it was like five tapes for five bucks. And so every Friday night was basically like, all right, Addison, you can go grab five movies. And it was always five horror movies, you know? So I would just every weekend knock out five movies over the course of a weekend and it was always some you know obscure crazy horror stuff toxic avenger terror firmer um you know it was great but i've gotten stuff signed by lloyd constantly over the time he's always at the new york comic-con booth i always wind up yeah. getting stuff signed i've got a toxic crusader uh an actual toxie like figure in the box still signed by him that's cool i feel i sound like a bragging speaking of mystery science theater oh, this just fun. happens to be here my friend just sent me this the uh, you can't even see it oh no uh, the Revival League poster is signed <laughs> by everyone. Well, take my word for it. See, okay, yeah, okay. Those are like things that I grew up watching too. Like those things just... I feel like there's a certain sort of... I mean, yeah, it is movie riffing. And I wouldn't call it disrespect. 
It's more just like the it's heckling, but there is a certain love for those movies. You know, that comes from the writers, though. The interpretation could surely be like, yeah, let's just rip on movies. But, you know, the writers of Mystery Science Theater and, you know, Joel Hodgson and the people who work on this show, they have to sit there and they have to watch these movies like a dozen times and look for little moments in the film to slip in jokes and stuff. So they've probably seen these movies just as many times as the filmmakers themselves. If they hated the movie, if they thought it was pure trash, they wouldn't spend so much time on it. You know, you have to have a certain love for these kinds of B-movies to spend so much time watching it and re-watching it because um, they're, they're, they're showing it to a new audience is what they're doing. You know, it's, hey, look at this crazy thing that we found. We're going to add some jokes and it's going to become a new sort of experience. And it's, it's like unleashing this obscure, crazy horror film or, you know, action sci-fi thing to a new audience the way that, you know, you would watch movies with your friends and, you know, you would heckle the movie too. You yeah, know, right, exactly. Beer, you know, it's like beers and pizza with your buddies and you would heckle the movie too. Everybody does it. It's just that they do it on a grander scale. And yeah, I can understand how people might interpret it as, yeah, let's just rip the shit out of this thing and just beat it into the ground. But that's the wrong way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, yeah, it's purely elective on there. They don't have to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they, they obviously under, like have a love for these films. Absolutely. And right, every, yeah. When you watch Mystery Science as a kid, they would throw jokes in. That was for like two people. Mm-hmm. And like, and when you sometimes you like, I like some things would go over your head. But they throw like a joke in. It's just like, wow, I feel smart for knowing that because that's a very deep cut line. They'll throw in every now and again. Yeah, because, I mean, you have a 90-minute movie or an 80-minute movie, and you have to have hundreds of jokes. So occasionally, yeah, there'll be some zinger that is not going to go over, you know, the entire audience. Like, it's going to go over people's heads. But when you get it, then it's just like, holy crap, that one was for me. Like, a lot of the early episodes, um, there's obscure, like, Frank Zappa references and stuff like that. And I'm a total Zappa nut. And so... Whenever there's like Frank Zappa references, I always wondered like who in the writer's room was a Zappa fan because that joke was for me. You know, like I I got I get that. That was a hot rats reference or something, you know. <laughs> uh there's one joke I'm trying to think. It, it, it's a reference they make uh somebody has a Playboy, and I think it's it might be Mitchell. And he's like, Yeah, I just got that for the Kilgore Trout story. I'm like wow that's a fucking they just yeah. throw in vonnegut references i felt like so smart for knowing the reference like oh, that's awesome you sent me a, a screener of magnum opus yesterday thank you by the yeah. way and yeah, it, yeah. i loved it because oh, it was so much fun and it's it was weird because i didn't realize how much time had passed throughout the film i was just like wait a minute these are the same people they just got older and it's real uh-huh. it's amazing that you have this this amazing yeah. time capsule when did you start and when did you like finish more or less i've had this i've been sitting on that footage for years like i, I cut it together last summer the footage basically begins in 2002 and then oh, that's far back wow yeah the early stuff is all shot on vhs tape and so i had to get that stuff digitized mm. and it, it sort of goes into like 2005 and then 2007 and then like 2012 and then eventually it kind of stops in like 2017 because everybody started to get married or move away. And so at that point, that kind of stuff just, we didn't film like that anymore. You know, we don't film that way anymore. Plus you get older. That's the, you were doing stuff. It's like, yeah. I kept watching that going, man, 
like, and I'm looking at stuff, kids like when you guys were on the trampoline and I'm like, you know, that would be something I would do as a kid. But now that idea of doing that horrifies me. I would know I would oh, break yeah. something because like you, you get you brittle as you get older. Way. Like your body is heavier and it's more dense. So when you smack the ground, you'd have a lot more force and it right. would a lot more. Because when you're a 15 year old kid, you know, you're skinny, you're lanky, you can bend like rubber, but not anymore, man. No, uh, dude, if I sleep the wrong way, I'm not good for a week. It's just like, now yeah, that's how like I, ha- I can roll my ankle just walking down the street if I, <laughs> if I walk a stupid way or something, you know? We had always just filmed little stunts and skits like that for fun. It's just like, like we would film little skits and eventually it was, it was little moments that I pulled from tapes that were more accidents or just things that just kind of were spontaneous. And so I went through all this footage from, you know, 15 years of tapes and I pulled out all these little moments. And then I, you know, I, I had other skits and things that I assembled and threw in there as well. And so, yeah, it's a time capsule of me and my buddies over the course of 15 years of our lives. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. From 2002 until about 2017, 2018. So it's it's that chunk of my life and my friends' lives. I'm a big Jackass fan. I'm a big Tom Green fan. So it's kind of my homage to that. One of my favorite reviews that I got was someone called it Boyhood Meets Jackass. And <laughs> I wish I thought That's of that. That's funny. Like, God I would have put it. that on the front cover. That, yeah, you know? shit. Because it wasn't until I started like selling Blu-rays and stuff that like I got a review from someone online and I saw that quote and I was like, oh man, that should that 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 goes on the Blu-ray. But it's like, well, the Blu-ray's already out. Oh damn. Oh well. But it's still a great <laughs> review. So now when I go on like shows or when I talk about the movie to people, that's the way I describe it because I was too dumb enough to think of it myself, but it's like, it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, Scotty was a beast. That oh, yeah. kid, he would just do just about anything. That kid. <laughs> uh, he, he did do just about anything we asked him to. There's some stuff there too. Like, cause when I was assembling it with my buddy, uh, James, um, we weren't sure if we should do any like talking head interviews or stuff like in between some of the stunts to kind of explain context or anything like that. And we obviously opted not to, because we didn't want to interrupt the flow of everything. Mm. So we just kind of have like bit after bit after bit, but there is some stuff that's actually kind of funny. If you kind of know like what went on sort of afterwards or Mm. something, Uh, a stunt that Scotty did was like, he jumped off the roof of a Toys R Us and he landed in a big pile of snow and he yells in pain. He's like, Oh oh no, I hit a rock or something. We didn't get it on camera because we stopped rolling, but we pulled him out of that pile of snow and it wasn't a rock that he fell on. It was a fire hydrant. Oh, so, of course, we didn't know that because it was buried in the snow. Oh, geez. So, like, when we yanked him out of that pile of snow, it's like, lo and behold, that he landed on a fire hydrant. We didn't get any of that on camera, but that's actually what he landed on. I What I love about it was it really, it, it's this great um, vicarious feeling of, like, man, to be young again. Like, it gives you that feeling. Yeah, it yeah. really captures that feeling of being young and just carefree. You know, it's a trip down memory lane for me, and I'm particularly proud of some of the stuff that's in the movie. Not, not just some of the stuff that I did, but like just sort of the stuff that I talked my friends into doing on camera. It took a lot of salesman effort, a big pitch to get them to do it, or money. Um, <laughs> I wanted to assemble this and put it out there in the world, just sort of like it's not as hardcore as Jackass. It's not as crazy. 
It's not as, you know, the production value is non-existent, but my version of the thing that I grew up watching and love. And, you know, Jackass 4 came out last year in 4.5. So that kind of inspired me to start doing this. And so I took all this footage and it took me a couple of months. You know, I had to digitize some stuff and I put it all in chronological order, the best of my ability. So you literally do grow up with us over the course of an hour, but it's like 15 minutes of my life, you know what I mean? Or 15 yeah. years of my life. That's amazing. Yeah. Three minutes. So I also was toying with the idea of putting in like what year. I like I the way like, it happens. It, it's just, yeah. it's just, it, you're a little bit behind, but in a good way. It's like, wait a minute, this is, that's the kid from earlier and he's a lot bigger and hairier. It's weird. Right. It's just like, and it's, it's fun watching that. It, it was like, it well, was it's fun. also in, in your mind when you think back of like what your friends looked like and stuff or what you guys did, you don't really remember what year it was unless like something like, you know, spectacularly like something big, a big event, like a birthday or something could have happened. I could approximate maybe what year it could have been. But I also feel like the split, the footage kind of speaks for itself because it starts out really grainy and like lo-fi. So it's like, okay, those are the early VHS days. And then it gets to like high eight and then mini DV. And then eventually it gets to like digital HD and you're like, okay, so this is a little bit more modern. So I kind of feel like you could do the work on your own without me spoon feeding you. Um, that was just mine. No, my, I, I, agree, I agree with that. I, I yeah. think you did the right, you made the right call with that. I think that was fun. Cause like, yeah, I didn't, if it, it would take me out of it if you like, signposted of those things it was just like because now i'm con like i'm i wouldn't it would i'd like to work no, i don't know what i'm trying to say it was good well, no. i worked i liked yeah yeah <laughs> we were thinking about because that's that's another thing we were toying with was we were like okay do we do cutaway like talking head interviews either introducing each segment or some of the bigger segments or like have an intro and outro do we do any of that or do we have title cards that show like what year something happened. And it's like, nah, let's just assemble it. Let's just yeah. put it in chronological chronological order. And that's, that'll just be it. So we just, yeah, we didn't do any of that. You know, I, I, I stand behind my decision. It's just amazing. Like when you juxtapose the beginning and the end where you're just little kids playing in like a little, like a baby carriage, just screwing around. And now it's like, you're at somebody's wedding. Yeah. And it's like, wow, it really, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. I think that's, I think that's why it was so impactful because it really hits you in that moment without it just visually, just from what you're saying, it's like, whoa, this is how far we've come. Like people are getting married right. now. And it's like, mm -hmm. wow. It's yeah, we're still, it's we're still doing the same goofy crap, you know? Yeah. This is where I do feel like I kind of goofed up a little bit. Uh, the, the wedding was actually the girl who uh, ate the Sandy potato chip. Dude, I had to, I flinched from that yeah i have a hard time watching it and i filmed it you know what i mean like that's i that was me holding the camera it was my idea i gave her 20 bucks we were at myrtle beach and she did it five years later she's getting married that was the only thing where like you know hindsight maybe i should have been like ah this is her wedding you know i'm not just like crashing someone else's wedding or something like this is her specific wedding i get it because i mean you get you're you're dressed like a groomsman you're dressed like you're in the wedding party so it's like i i, I was able to put that information together yeah i just you know, it was her wedding. And oh, okay. because when I told her I was putting this together, I was like, some, you know, people are finally going to see like your chip stunt. Because a lot of this stuff has been sort of just kept away under lock and key. Where was that? Like what? That was a trip somewhere, it seemed yeah, like. Yeah, it was uh, Myrtle Beach. Oh, it was Myrtle Beach. Okay. Yeah, and that, that sand is not clean. I mean, if, no. you, look at, <laughs> if, you, if you like really look at that sand, you can see like the cigarette butt and stuff and like beach fleas and everything. Like it's pretty gross. When, when I told her that like I was assembling this thing, 
and I was going to put her chip footage in that for people to finally see. She was like, oh, let me send you the footage of, you know, my wedding when you ate that flower. Yeah, she uploaded the footage to Google Drive. I downloaded it and I cut it together into a little bit. So I was so glad that, you know, that footage finally saw the light of day because that footage had only ever been in her wedding video. That was a prank on like her wedding party because only like the groomsmen, her and her bridesmaids, they were the only ones in on it. Everybody else in the, you know, the wedding party, everybody like her side of the family, his side of the family, no one knew that was going to go down. It was such a specific thing that I'm like, yeah. the people who know what's happening are probably dying right now. Yeah. And you yeah. can see, like, you see, like, everybody's just like, I don't understand what I'm looking at. Like, there's like, right. people. Know. I sort of forget the exact details now because it's been like five or six years. Her flower girl got sick or something or they couldn't make it. And so I made a dumb joke and I was like, okay, I'll be your flower boy. But like flower boy so then when i showed up to the wedding rehearsal i was handed a bag of flour and uh, <laughs> a wooden spoon and she was like this is what you're doing tomorrow or whatever you know and i was like oh boy you know okay all right I'll, i can't back out now i'll commit to this so finally i was able to put it in a movie you know that was pretty cool and that flower was gross i mean i'm sure it is i was just like that's dry and just cakey in your mouth Ugh. Yeah, because what happens is essentially, you know, you add moisture to it. And you become <laughs> oh. So it was like chewing a big uh. unflavored wad of gum. It was disgusting. So I, I'm sure. Probably <laughs> not as disgusting as the sand. I mean, she wins in that department. Yeah, that's, but, that's uh, brutal. The dog, the dog food, yeah. Food. The dog food's pretty nasty, too, and she did that. I think I paid her 40 bucks for that. <laughs> yeah, there's one thing I, I flinched on with the stapler in the in between that, the finger, in between the thumb. And, yeah. Dude, yeah. no. I can't. And that's like it does. It's like those moments in Jackass. I can't watch when they do the, the paper cut scene in the first Jackass yeah. movie. I can't watch. I just can't. It's like I got to. That nah. was my that was my homage to that because I was like, oh, I when, hated it. When we filmed <laughs> that, it was that was like my senior year or junior year of high school. Again, when we were assembling this footage or when we were cutting or when we were filming this footage like 15 years ago, we didn't have any sort of grand plan for it. We didn't know that someday I would put it together on Blu-ray and like <laughs> You know, we didn't know that. We didn't have the foresight. It was just uh, footage accumulation was basically what it was. Doing it for fun so that we can watch it with each other later. And so now for the first time ever, like I said, now people can like watch it on, you know, Blu-ray and everything, which is crazy. At the time, you know, Jackass number two had just come out. And so I was like obsessed with it. And I, I thought, you know, what would be like a crazy gnarly thing that like I could do on camera? I was like, well, the paper cuts is one of the craziest things in Jackass the movie. I'm not into paper cuts. We'll staple my the webbing, and then because I didn't think it would close either. That was that was what caught me off guard. Oh. Was I didn't think that it would actually close. I figured okay. it'd be like a piercing where it would just go through, and then I could just push it out with the prongs. But oh, was... sorely mistaken. Yeah, that was rough. That's the money right there. That scene. I was like, oh boy, okay, yep, yeah, you got. It. So I, I was but, wondering, I'm like, there's always that moment in Jackass movies. I'm like, there's that one thing they'll do, the fish hook through Steve-O's cheek yeah. and two. There's always, and the, the paper cuts, I'm just like, there's that moment, I just can't, I can't do it. Those are amazing uh, movies to see in the theater. Those oh, are yeah. some of the best crowd experiences I've ever had in a theater. Like all, all four of those films. Like the, it's just this amazing communal moment where we're all just like freaking out. Like, no, he's not, no, he's not, no, he's not. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that in like with a lot of traditional films. <laughs> 
Well, that's exactly what I wanted to do with this was I wanted to take, I mean, some stuff is pretty tame, but it's funny to watch. But then some stuff I wanted to have what I call like showstoppers in a jackass movie. There always is those like three extreme stunts that like do freak out the audience and disturb them. You can't have an entire movie that's just like stapling blood, people getting cut up because then the movie would just be too extreme all the way through. But if you space it out enough, where it's like, here's like stapling my webbing and then 30 minutes later, you know, eating sand, you space them out. Then it's just like these sort of like a chart or a graph or something where it's like, here's something crazy. And then it kind of mellows out. It's like a roller coaster, you know, yeah. uh, that's sort of how I wanted to design Magnum Opus as well. Yeah, it's that grab bag feel like that that those films have. And like some like mixtapes. Now, I remember Jackass before Jackass, Bam would do these videos, the oh, CKY yeah. videos. CKY. Yeah. Dude, that's how I first discovered them. I remember being in North Carolina in a skate shop. Now, actually, no, that's not true. I was high at this guy's house. <laughs> so that's all I was ever doing in North Carolina those days. And this dude had downloaded. I don't know how he did this in 2000, year 2000 or 2001. It was like, mm -hmm. dude, I just spent like, he spent like two days downloading this thing. It was like, or however long it was. And it was CKY2K off some file sharing network. And it was just like, yeah. we we had no idea what it was. And we were like, what is this? So we just started watching it and yeah, died like laughing. Like Something like CKY, there's no context to that either. It's not like Jackass at all, where like they introduce a stunt and then do something. I mean, sometimes, but that is a very chaotically edited thing as yeah. well. And I, you know, so Magnum Opus is kind of like that too, where here's a bit and then a fade out, bit fade out, like Jackass. Congratulations! Also a, big, a heavy influence of CKY as well. Like I love CKY, I love Jackass, I love all that stuff. Yeah, CKY two K. Oh yeah, I mean that's the that's the gnarliest one of them all. I found out there was a skate shop down the block where we were staying, and it was just like I'm buying this on VHS. And again, one of those tapes I got rid of, but it was like such yeah. an amazing, that's where you'd find it. Like that's where it was set, being sold in skate shops. That's why like, you wouldn't find that in a store. It's what breaks my heart about Ryan Dundying was that he was my favorite one. Oh really? But, yeah. Cause he, his reactions to things were just priceless. Like in that scene where Brandon D. Camillo right, wipes poo on him. Oh yeah. And jelly. Yeah. Jelly. I, I say my face and you're suggesting jelly. Yeah. That is the greatest thing. I still say that sometimes like as a, like a reference, like me and my cousins always quote that would just go jelly when we're like, how can you say something so ridiculous? You have a new film coming out like uh, Frankenstein. Uh, what's the, uh, I haven't shot it yet. It's, it's a work in progress. That's been a, a very long work in progress because um, I've just been having a lot of health issues the past couple of years. Like as soon as I have like money together, then I get really sick or something. And so then I have to spend all my money on like hospital bills and medications. And then so all my savings go away and I have to start back from zero. It's just been like an ongoing process for the past two years of getting myself back to a position where I can make a movie where I'm healthy and I have a budget because, you know, I want to use Bill Whedon again from Psycho Ape. And I sort of budgeted and out. Sergeant Kabuki, man. That was a, what a oh, pull. Yeah, yeah. That's see, I met Bill at a screening of Sergeant Kabuki, man in new york like hmm. four years ago and it was when we were doing pre-production on psycho Wave. he was like hey if you're ever back in new york or something and you need me for a movie like i'll just do like a quick cameo and so when i came back home from new york and i talked to my buddy greg i was like we you know we can get bill whedon to do a cameo and he was the one who suggested like well let's just offer him the role of zoomus you know because we didn't have anybody yet i called him up and i was like well instead of a cameo bill what if we just fly out to or you know drive up to new york and we just cast you as zoomus like do you want this role 
And so I basically just played Donald Pleasance as a zookeeper or something. <laughs> and, you know, he was he was down with it. So I want to use him again, you know, because we're going to also be making Psycho Ape 2 later this year. Film that in L.A. this time. Oh, so wow. Like, the first movie is like a New York kind of movie. And the second one's going to be L.A. Because my buddy Greg is now living in L.A. So I'm going to fly out there for a week. We're going to get Bill out there, too. Kansas already lives out there. So it's going to be us all doing the same stupid crap, <laughs> but running around Hollywood and running around um, getting shots up like the Warner Brothers Tower and stuff like that this time instead of, you know, the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty. So it's just it's just going to be the same kind of stupid crap. But, you know, now it's the sequel. You know what I mean? Right. But the, the my favorite part of the whole thing was the Ratatouille moment. Oh, yeah. Because it just goes on so long. It's just like, wait, the movie stopped to deal with this. And it's like, it's a compelling argument. I'm on the Ratatouille side. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm getting into it. I'm like, she's right. Ratatouille is better. I don't cry at Toy Story. But well, it was fun. Uh, you know, that, that, was that, that like real or is that like? It was real. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say was initially, first of all, those girls are sisters in real life. You can tell. Like you can yeah, tell. They they, that's sisters. how sisters argue. Yeah, that is. They were. They are sisters in real life. And the younger sister said, like when we were about to shoot, that she could recite the Ratatouille monologue like verbatim. And we were like, well, that's interesting. Like, I don't know anybody else who could do that. So initially it was just going to be a trick or treat scene where they show up to the ape's door and they get crappy candy and he kills him. Like, that was just going to be the scene. That was it. But then, yeah, it completely just... It broke down. And like, yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. like... Greg did not stop rolling. And initially, that argument, I think, went on for like 12 minutes. You know, <laughs> so he, he cut it down to what it is now. But, you know, it was like 12 minutes long initially. And I was like, this is this is way too long. Like, we can't have a 12-minute argument in the movie. Yeah. So then it dropped down to about seven, and then now it's about, like, five. So it it's, is, like, a five-minute argument, but it, it was double that it, length. How long it goes on is what makes it funny. Yeah, but I guess there is a yeah. point where it just be like, I got enough already. But like, I think you found yeah, that like you, spot. you see me step in and I'm just like waving my arms around like, okay, okay, that's enough. Because <laughs> I knew they weren't going to stop. And Greg never stopped rolling the camera either. So it was like, no one's going to stop because he's going to continue filming for as long as they keep going. And they just were not stopping. So eventually uh, I had to just... I thought they would run out of steam, but they just, they were not. Uh, my wife and her sister, it's just like, you think uh, sister arguments could stop, but they never do. They'll just keep oh, going, no. mutate into something else. Yeah, it was just out of control. It was so, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to use them again in uh, Cult of Frankenstein. I don't have like an argument or anything in mind for them, but because they're kind of a fan favorite from Psycho Ape, I do want to cast them again. Have you gotten to screen it for audiences, like in a theater Psycho or anything? Psycho Ape or Magnum Opus? A, a Psycho Ape. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've screened uh, Psycho Ape lots of times. Um, oh, that's great. Just this year alone. To be continued. That's right, folks. I'll have the second half of my interview with Addison Bennett next week. Sorry, I got caught up dealing with the other thing. But before you go... I would love it if my listener would go and check out Indiegogo.com, where Addison and the whole crew behind Psycho Ape are raising money for Psycho Ape 2. I donated. Want to be cool like me? Even though the answer is no, please still go check out Indiegogo.com. Support Psycho Ape 2. Thank you. Amy likes it. Amy, good gorilla. That's right, Amy. 